0: what's going on everybody welcome back to another episode of the neighborhood podcast
1: i'm half of the podcast kevin valentine you know I'm the other half of the podcast my name is kyle Dabro. kevin coming off your birthday weekend how'd it go my guy
0: it was good man had some friends come up from miami uh just kind of
1: hung out weather was a little shitty
0: so we just chilled did our thing you know just caught up hung out you know what i mean smoked a cigar had a couple of drinks nothing crazy went out to dinner but over overall, you know, turning twenty-seven wasn't half bad. Let's just put it that way. I'm pretty grateful for the friends that I have, and uh, I
1: appreciate them for making it a good one. Nice. I mean, you're in the back nine of your twenties, but still, you know, you do. Hey, like, man, doing I broke
0: right. it. <clears throat> I broke it down to my friends like this. Growing up, I said 20, 23 is your early twenties. Twenty-four to twenty-six are your mid twenties, and obviously. Twenty-seven, whatever, is, is like the later portion. You know, your late twenties. I have now escalated or achieved upper echelon you, level you've of twenties. You've upgraded. I don't know about upgraded, bro. I'm I'm just getting older by the second, honestly. And I'm not aging like fine wine. It ain't getting better. Should I just find more and more problems the older I get? You you so. getting get some grace? Somewhere in here, more than likely, I mean, Isabel always be finding some copper hairs, so I feel like Ooh. that's like my that's my that's my change right there. It's going from like dark brown to copper. It's going to turn to freaking I don't know. It is you got you, go, is, you but, got a
1: you got a while before then. I'm just busting your balls on that one. I
0: hate man. It is what I don't even care at this point, bro. Time is going to keep moving. We were literally talking about it. What my all my birthday we were texting, and it's like like we met each other when I was twenty. Mm-hmm. Which is absolutely insane. Like to really think about it. Like we've been friends for damn near seven years now. It's wild, right?
1: But the time it, is just, just moving. I was just about to say, like time just flies by though. Like that's the wild thing about it.
0: And we always as at least in my opinion, our parents are always telling us, Enjoy it while it lasts, you know, suck in the moment while you can and or soak in the moment while you can. And I was always like, Man, shut up, man. I can't wait to graduate high school. Man, shut up, man. I can't wait to graduate college. And it's like graduated, and then work started, and then Bill started, and, and you know, obviously we're at the places in our careers that we're at now, and it's just like, wow, like, holy shit. Like, <laughs> I am 27 with a dog in an apartment with a full-time job, and I'm just like, damn, like, we, we, we're we out here moving.
1: <laughs> I know, like, it's only gonna get faster, dude. It, that's all I could say. It's up yep, and then my, par-
0: so. my parents said the next step is like, whenever I do get blessed, with a child, like then it's going to move even quicker because you're not paying attention to your life anymore. You're watching them grow up, so it's like you're moving even faster.
1: Oh yeah, I'm not. I'm not trying to think about that though. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's a let's, years let's, away.
0: let's focus on this podcast. You feel me? You feel me? We're gonna go back to the sports podcast that we have here. You feel me? So um, before we get into the agenda, or before I kick it over to Kyle, I just wanted to quickly dive into a super kudos and shout out to every single person within the last week that has provided us with immense support, whether that's liking our videos, commenting on the videos, or even subscribing. From Kyle and I, from the bottom of my hearts, thank you so much. We have cracked 200 subscribers. We are now at 203. At this point last week, we were at 180. So I would say we're about 23 subscribers up within one week. Absolutely incredible. Obviously, we know we can't always recreate this success, but if we can have increments and pieces of this success with a couple subscribers a week, we know that we can achieve our goal that we have now set. And I believe October to have 300 subscribers. So we got about three months to go there, and uh, or two and a half months because we are midway through July. But we're gonna aim high, and we're gonna continue to process and you know get better and grow. But again, thank you to everybody. Huge, huge, huge love and support from so many of you guys, whether you're friends from home, uh, whether you're Kyle's friends, whether you're people that just found the channel stumbled upon and just love what we talk about. So like, we want you guys to know that we're doing it for you. And uh, with your support, it's only going to get better from here.
1: Yeah, I mean, well said. I mean, there's not really much else I could add to that. Just, Just appreciate the support wherever we can get it. And I just hope you guys enjoy the content. You know, Kevin and I do the best that we can to provide you the best content that we can. Obviously, we have our own jobs that we got to do, you know, every single day. But, you know, when Kevin and I sit down and do this, it's always fun. And we just try to give you guys the best analysis that we give on a day in, day out basis whenever we record.
0: 100%. And I mean, with with, with all the, the mushy-gushy stuff out of the way, um, Kyle's got an agenda for us. Unfortunately, not too long. Not a lot going on in the sports world. You know what I'm saying? You know, basketball is now at the the tippet of the end. Baseball's all-star break is now over. We're in the, 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 hopefully, the stretch of now, you know, positions being, excuse me, filled for the postseason in baseball. The NHL is over. Uh, OTAs are about four days away in the NFL. The Olympics are about a week away. So we know we have things upcoming, but right now, uh, Kyle, what do you got for us as far as an agenda to cover today, my boy?
1: So the the agenda for today's episode is going to be pretty NBA heavy. Obviously, we had a fantastic game five between the Suns and the Bucks. I mean, if you got a chance to watch it this weekend, it was an NBA classic as far as I'm concerned. You know, it's one of the best finals games that I've watched in recent memory. So obviously, we'll dive into that a little bit. We'll also talk a little bit about just... The individual players that we've seen have major success throughout this series, whether it's Giannis Antetokounmpo, Devin Booker, the rise of Chris Middleton, and Drew Holiday, specifically within like the last game or two for the both of them. We'll get into some player segments with them, and then we'll also dive into a preview and a prediction for Game 6 between the Suns and the Bucks. That game will take place on Tuesday. But, Kevin, I'm telling you right now, like that Game 6 in Milwaukee is gonna be fun to watch I know we'll get into the episode we'll get into that a little bit later in the episode I know Milwaukee's gonna be bouncing when they hit the court on Tuesday it's gonna be
0: electrifying like Phoenix was going absolutely ape for the majority of the game even though Phoenix was sh- struggling to come back until late in the fourth quarter so I can't even imagine the thought of Milwaukee having an opportunity to not only win their first championship championship since 1971 but to win it at home in the position that they had come from down 0-2 in this finals so milwaukee will definitely be going absolutely bonkers i would probably say the state of wisconsin is probably going to be on high alert because they might flip it upside down because who knows the last time that state
1: had a championship (laughs) so well the packers did like over a decade ago Ten years, bro. Yeah, but I mean, for the Bucks, this would be their first NBA championship since the seventies. Yeah, no, it's sixty years. You, you're talking about like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, like yeah, and Oscar going that, Robinson. That far back, insane. it's wild. So I know it's, that it's going to be electric. I know they're definitely excited for the opportunity of closing that series out in six. But before we get to that, we got to discuss the game five that took place in Phoenix. Pivotal game five for both teams series was tied 2-2 going into the game. Phoenix got off to a tremendous start. They got to a 37-21 lead after the first quarter. And then Milwaukee goes on an onslaught in the second quarter, outscoring Phoenix 43-24 in the second quarter. They end up taking a halftime lead. It was a back-and-forth game throughout most of the second half. However, the Suns made a late push to try to win Game 5. But Milwaukee was able to get a steal from Devin Booker. Drew Holiday threw an absolutely perfect pass to Giannis Antetokounmpo, who threw down a vicious alley-oop, which essentially iced the game for them. So the Bucs won 123-119. to 119. They currently hold a 3-2 to two series lead over the Suns and are looking to close it out in Game 6 back in Milwaukee. But Kev, let me get your first impression of this fantastic Game 5 that we saw between these two teams. I'm going to be straight.
0: I'm eating my words, and I know that I predicted this series to end in five in favor of Phoenix, and if Giannis were to play, which obviously he's played every game, I thought that Phoenix would win this in six. It's obviously not the case, (laughs) and this finals has been absolutely incredible. There was one blowout game, and since that point, it has been an upper echelon finals just overall, and I, I, I really can't say much about it other than the fact of you can't really hate either team. You want each team to win, obviously, excluding the fans of each team. Um, you want each team to win for a separate reason. You want Chris Paul to win his first NBA championship for him being in the league for 16, 17 years. You want Giannis to win it, to to finish that story of you know him coming from Greece and then you know him having no money for the taxi and, and then bulking up like 60, 70 pounds since he's gotten in the NBA, now achieving the mountaintop. To be in the top three discussion of best players in the league, and it's truly and honestly been an incredible finals. I would have ne- if you would have told me at the beginning of this season the Bucks would be in the finals against the Phoenix Suns, I would have told you you're crazy. Let alone them being up on them in the series, and it starting the way that it did with Phoenix being up two zero. So that game was just completely crazy, and like Kyle said, with Phoenix starting off super, super hot, mind you, I'm, I'm out to eat with my boys and my girl, and we watching it, and Devin's hitting some crazy shots, and, you know, like, the Suns are just on a roll, and they're up 16 at the end of the first, and I'm sitting there ready to dap up my boy, and I'm like, yo, dude, this Devin's gonna get his game. Like I said, Devin's gonna go for 45-50 if he keeps hitting it the way he's going, and he literally said, I, I shit you not, my boy Nick Novo said, I'm not dapping anybody up. Until we get to the last few seconds of the fourth quarter and the Suns are up by enough points where it's mathematically impossible for the Bucks to win. And I was like, Bro, you you capping right now, you 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 bugging. Like, bro, Devin can't be stopped right now. Like Milwaukee just ain't ain't doing it for me right now. Like I don't I don't see Milwaukee coming back from this. And man, once again did I eat my fucking words because Milwaukee <laughs> exploded with a forty three point quarter and I think this was the greatest game I've ever seen Drew Holiday play in his entire career. Obviously, with the significance of this game being immensely more significant than any other game in his career, I don't know why I keep saying immensely. It's ridiculous. But um, Drew Holiday went for 27, 13 assists, four rebounds, three steals, and a block. Bro, at one point, it looked like Drew could not miss. He was doing everything and anything to will this team to win, and it took Giannis a little while to get into his rhythm in terms of, you know, getting his good looks. He scored 32 at the end of the night. Chris Middleton's been phenomenal the last two games. He scored 29 points as well, adding in another seven rebounds and five assists. But as a whole, the Milwaukee Bucks are the real deal. And, man, did they make a statement saying, I don't give a shit if we're in Phoenix. I don't give a shit if the Suns are up 2-0, 3-0, whatever the case may be, they were not rolling over. And they're 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 making they're making a statement because this game six, like Kyle said, is about to be a movie.
1: It's wild. There's no other way that I could say it. Like the game five that we saw over the weekend, it was a classic. There's no other way for me to say it. The fact that the Suns got off to the hot start that they did, it looked like it was gonna be Phoenix's night. And then Milwaukee comes roaring back. They take the lead. They actually extend their lead going into the third quarter. I think at one point they were up damn near 15, 16 points, which was Yeah, they were great. above 16. Yeah. I mean, they essentially doubled up the Suns from where they were being down 16 in the first quarter. And just the shooting performance that Milwaukee had from the entire team was phenomenal. Outside of Jeff Teague, Everybody on Milwaukee's roster shot either 50 percent or higher than 50 percent. Giannis was phenomenal once again, 32 points on 14 of 23 shooting. Chris Middleton dropped almost 30 on 12 of 23 shooting, and Drew Holiday drops 12 of, uh, drops 27 points on 12 of 20 shooting. Like between those three guys in particular, they scored 88 points. And to be quite honest with you, they needed every single one of those points since Milwaukee only won the game by four points. So not only did they get the production from the starters, they got production from Pat Connaughton once again. He had a very nice shooting night. He was four or six from the field, knocked down four out of his six threes, also chipped in two free throws as well. And then Bobby Portis, even though that he only played 19 minutes, he was three or six from the field and he knocked down two poor... uh, He knocked down two three-pointers. He had nine points coming off the bench. So when you have that well-rounded of a team effort here going up against Phoenix, who was shooting the lights out, Phoenix shot 55% from the field. They shot 65% behind the three-point line. Had you told me that Phoenix was going to shoot 55% from the field and 65% behind the three-point line and only have nine turnovers as a team, I would have said... Phoenix is going to win this game by 15, 20 points. There's no way I would have ever envisioned a scenario that Milwaukee shoots 57% from, uh, excuse me, they shot 55% or 57%, excuse me, um, just from the field. And they shoot 50% behind the three-point line. Absolutely bonkers. Like, I can't overstate the shooting performance that Milwaukee displayed in Phoenix in game five, and they needed it. This was really the first game where all three of Chris Middleton, Giannis, and uh, Drew Holiday finally came together and put out an offensive output that has not been seen throughout the finals so far, and they needed it. This was a huge game for them, and it's like you said. It sets it up for a phenomenal game six, and I'll tell you what. Milwaukee's chomping at the bit to get this game six underneath underneath their belt, because they're on a roll right now. They've won three straight, and there's a very good chance that they roll into Milwaukee and get this done in Game 6. I know we'll talk about the prediction later, but yeah, absolutely outstanding from Milwaukee. There's no other way for me to say it.
0: And what's kind of crazy is the fact that Giannis had such a poor performance on the free throw line. He was 4 of 11, He was struggling in a lot of instances. He could not get in a rhythm at that point uh, at the line. And, of course, we're coming down to that last-second turnover with Devin Booker and Drew Holiday rips him. Kind of dribbles it out. Looks like he's trying to stall for the time. And Giannis calls for the oop, driving at the basket with Chris Paul being the only defender underneath the rim. And, like Kyle said earlier, Drew put a perfect pass up. Giannis goes up to finish. And what seemed to be a bad, timely foul for Chris Paul – ended up being a blessing because Giannis misses the free throw however it's like most coaches in high school and in college you know when you get to that free throw line and you know that that second free throw is going to give them the possession back they tell you to miss it on purpose and they tell you to put it to a certain point of the rim where they know it's going to bounce out and not necessarily within the paint obviously that's probably not the case for Giannis because they knew that the more points they go up by the less of a chance that Phoenix has but that ball could not have bounced in a more favorable way for the Milwaukee Bucks because it not only hit the front of the rim, but it bounced so far out. It was able to reach back to Giannis to where he was able to back tap it out and get the offensive board for his team, in which led to another foul that Chris Middleton ended up missing one of them. So the Bucks only won by four. But that sequence was kind of just a crazy individual kind of moment right there because if I'm being honest, that Devin that Devin Booker possession when – uh right before he turned the ball over, once he kind of dribbled within the paint and the defense kind of collapsed on him, and I kind of saw Drew Holiday there, but I didn't think that Devin didn't, so that when Devin turned around and there was nowhere for him to go and and, and Drew kind of ripped him, I was a little disappointed, at least in his situational awareness, because you have to understand, if you're within the paint or if you're at the top of the key and you're the guy that's been hot all game, you have to know that all five eyes are looking at you. You know, all five sets of eyes, excuse me, are honing in on you. And then at that point, you either have to take that crazy shot and hope you make it, or you have to find somebody that's open. Because it looked like he had no intention of passing. It looked like he was going to reset and try to dribble it back out to kind of create another isolation play. And again, we don't know what Monty Williams drew up outside of that. But, dude, I was very disappointed with Devin's awareness in that point in time. Um, I've already stated on multiple episodes and to multiple friends that Devin's – discipline on the defensive end has also been in question. A lot of loose fouls, a lot of unnecessary fouls, and uh, just stupidity late in game that cost them a lot of uh, opportunities to score. But you can't take it away from Milwaukee, man. Milwaukee scored 79 points in the second and third quarter combined. 79. The main issue for me, and Phoenix was playing okay defense for the majority of the game, but Phoenix's defense was getting cooked in every aspect. There was there was a sequence where Drew Holiday had maybe two layups and a three, where he was wide open on all sequences, like back to back to back possessions. And Phoenix was kind of just looking around at each other, like, "What are we supposed to do? Like, you're supposed to play defense. That's what you're supposed to do." So, I, the, the Bucks deserve to be where they're at. The Bucks have been playing phenomenal offense, and they have been having some uh, obviously stellar defensive moments, especially that block by Giannis in Game Four. But, dude. I don't know if it's possible. And again, we're not getting into the predictions, but in, just in general, my my consensus for this next game is just like Phoenix is in Phoenix is in that territory right now, where it's like if they don't throw the book, kitchen sink, and everything that they have in this next game, they literally blew a two zero lead, just like the Mavericks did in two thousand and six, and it ain't looking good for Phoenix, man, because. That's just not a good look when you have this much of an opportunity and you had an opportunity to seal game three and make it a 3-0 lead and you lost the next three, possibly four, making the series completely a turnaround. I I don't know. I just I don't think it's a good look. Phoenix just doesn't look like themselves since game two.
1: You know, here's the thing. And the way that I look at that last possession, the possession where Devin Booker got stripped by Drew, there was a part of me thinking, is Monty going to call a timeout? Because they had a timeout in their pocket while that possession was going on. And there was a part of me thinking, was like, should they call a timeout? Should they set up a play and just throw everything into that play to, to try to get the lead? Because they were only down one point with about 30 seconds to go when that possession took place. And obviously, Monty didn't call the timeout. He let the play go on. And I thought that Devin was actually going to pull up from, what was it, like 10, 15 feet? And yeah. I knew as soon as he stopped dribbling and he looked, he's looking for somebody to kick it out to. And there's nobody there. And Drew just had the defensive awareness on that plate to just yank the ball out. Not only that, he gets the ball. They're running down the court. He sees Giannis trailing and just throws a perfect pass to Giannis and Giannis just jams it home in a very disrespectful way. Giving him a, giving a death stare to the camera that was a nice little meme mug from Giannis after that play. And oh, 100%. Not, it's and not all only, over Twitter. <laughs> and not only that, you get the and one. Obviously, Giannis missed the free throw, but you know the fact that he got the and one, Chris, that was a stupid foul by Chris. Chris should just kind of get away. Let Giannis get the dunk. At that point, you're only down three. You call a timeout. You, know, you try to tie the game with a three. But uh, Chris just kind of had a mental blunder there, and it did kind of cost them because that was a possession that ended up not being in Phoenix's hands because Giannis misses the free throw. Milwaukee gets the offensive rebound. They have to foul Chris Middleton, and then Chris goes to the line again. So just all in all, the mistakes that Phoenix had, they just had them at the most inopportune times, and it cost them. And he's just, there's not much else to say about that. I thought Phoenix overall played a great game as far as not turning the ball over, they only had nine turnovers. And the fact of the matter is, is that even despite that, they just couldn't keep up with Milwaukee. Milwaukee was just knocking down shots all night. And to the point that you had about Phoenix's defense kind of being on and off at certain points, I I would thought that for the most part, granted you could kind of like, you could take out a couple plays here and there. I thought, Phoenix was actually given tough defensive assignments to Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, but these guys were knocking down shots with hands in their faces. I mean, some points like where you see, like, you know, Chris or it was like a high, Drew, five. It was like a high five. I mean, Cameron Johnson, like, one, on one of the replays, he high five Drew Holiday and Drew just knocked it down in his face. I'm like, what are you going to do? It's like it's such a psychological issue when you're playing that good of defense and the guys are just knocking down shots. It really seemed like in the third quarter, like Phoenix and and Milwaukee were just trading shots. So yeah, obviously
0: Milwaukee pulls away. It's kind of crazy how that happened when you have a shootout and we're just waiting for one person to have that key moment.
1: But it's just, you know, this was a game that I thought was going to be won by Phoenix just based off of the first quarter start that they had. But Milwaukee was resilient and, you know, it's not the first time they've been resilient in this series. They were down 2-0. Well. They win their two home games in Milwaukee. And I think a lot of people were thinking that Phoenix was going to roll in the game five home court advantage, they were going to win this game fairly convincingly. I did. I thought that Phoenix was going to win this by like ten points. And the way that it started, I thought that could have been the case. But you gotta you gotta give credit to Milwaukee. They stepped up and they executed in the most crucial moments of the game, and on the flip side, Phoenix just happened to make those mistakes at the worst times possible, and it cost them. It's,
0: it, it it you can't say anything, man. Like I know I feel like I get tripped up in a lot of these episodes, and it's like I'm not having a brain fart. I'm just trying to think like, how can you really defend like the inexcusable mistakes? Like in Chris Paul's situation, I understand your emotions are flying high. You just had a turnover. Like this could this could ruin the game. But you have to know the personnel on the floor i do not believe brooke lopez was on the floor so Giannis is playing the five at this point if drew holiday is throwing an oop it has to be to someone that's going to finish he's not throwing that oop to pj tucker he's not throwing that oop to uh, chris middleton he's not throwing it to coddington you have to know if that ball is going up that high it has to be Giannis chasing that ball yep. and for you to turn around and try to foul with his feet already in the air and him already being as close as he is to the rim, that could have been categorized as a flagrant foul because Giannis not only had the ball in his hand, but he's already completely off the ground feet together. That could have led to an injury or a catastrophic injury for that matter. I know it wasn't on purpose. I'm not calling Chris Paul a dirty player. But I understand the foul concept of it. If I can just catch him before he jumps or make it difficult for him to jump to get that pass, yes. Yes. But you can see in the replay, as Drew lets that ball go, Chris makes an immediate turnaround. You have to know Giannis is jumping, bro. You cannot touch him in that instance, bro. And a, a, just a bonehead move on Chris's part. And it just, it you know, did not seem smart. But, dude, kudos to Drew for throwing that pass and, and like, having the, the, the balls to throw a pass like that in the NBA Finals. Like, knowing the stakes, because he could have – that, that pass could have hit the backboard. It could have hit the rim. Giannis could have fumbled it, 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 and it just worked to perfection, honestly.
1: And the crazy thing is, is that Giannis has had two of the most signature plays of the entire series. That alley-oop block in Game 4 against DeAndre Aiden. that's one of the best plays in NBA history. The fact that he was covering for, I think Devin was going to 1-on-1 against Drew. I, f- I forget who he's matched up defensively you know, against Devin, but I think it was Drew. And then the fact that he had the recovery speed after Devin threw the alley pass to Deandre Ayton, the fact that Giannis recovered so quickly, it was able to high point the ball off the roll so quickly. Like that's phenomenal. And then to go to game five and you have basically the alley-oop of the finals after Drew throws a perfect pass to him and, gets the Yan one to essentially close the most pivotal game of the series so far. That's you got to give a tip to the cap to Giannis. I mean, Giannis has really shown up in the biggest moments possible and he's executed to the highest level possible. Yeah, no, he's, he's
0: definitely taken that next step to say, wow, he, he has that mentality. He has that aggression level. He has that, that some would say Mamba mentality, I'm I'm going to step on your throat because he has come into all of these games since his injury and he has tried to annihilate everybody in his path, whether on the defensive end or on the offensive end. And I know we're gonna talk about some deep players in a second or some player dives. Yep. But I just had to I just had to notate the fact that you can tell Giannis's face after getting fouled, or him finishing some of these tough these tough layups, or or, or him trying to be aggressive, uh with his back to the basket and him even taking some of the jump shots that he takes, you can see it in his face and in his eyes. He wants it, he's going for it, and it almost looks like he's about to get it. You know that he tastes that that, that trophy is right there and yeah. that NBA Finals Championship could, could be within his grasp. And uh, I'm definitely loving that, that side of
1: Giannis. Oh, yeah, for sure. And not only that, I mean, the guy's averaging 32 points a game in this series alone. I mean you take wild. away that you take away that game 1 where he was coming back off of that hyper extended knee. The guy's averaging like 35 points from like game 2 to game 5. Like it's absolutely nuts. You know, the guy drops 240 point bombs in back-to-back games. Has a game where he drops 26, 14 and 8 and then game 5 he drops 32, 9 and what, 6? crazy. I mean, I mean it's absolutely wild. I mean I don't know if you saw me look to the to to the left, uh, there's a thunderstorm rolling outside. So there was a pretty, pretty solid roll of thunder outside. That's why I looked to my left.
0: It's been raining here most of the day. So it's about time it leaves
1: this damn area. It's just, it's Florida. You know, it is what it is, but it's summertime, but you know, like Kevin mentioned, we, we did want to do some player dives. So I want to start with Devin. You know, I know we'll get into Giannis, Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday in a little bit, but Devin Booker is coming off two back-to-back games of scoring 40 points. And unfortunately for him, these performances are coming in losses. Obviously, it's got to be gut-wrenching to put out that type of effort and just the team falls short in getting a win against the Bucks. But Kev, I just got to ask you, just throughout this series so far, how would you assess Devin's game from the beginning of the series up until now?
0: Devin is one of the best up-and-coming superstars that we've seen in some time. I mean, the the the, the saying goes, he's one of the best under 25, uh, L, under the age of 25 players in the NBA. He's obviously offensively gifted in many ways. He's very athletic. He's got a great shooting stroke from behind the arc from the mid-range game. I mean, he's got a soft touch around the basket. He can hit free throws. Um, he obviously showed in the Eastern Conference Finals that he was able to facilitate as well. Uh, obviously, he pretty much ran the point guard situation for the majority of his career in Phoenix because they didn't really have anybody else. So I think he can really take that next step next season as well and see if he can progress that even further. Uh, like I said, maybe his, his on-court vision or maybe his situational awareness in certain games. Uh, my biggest thing with Devin is, like I said a couple of times, he's got to improve defensively and he's got to be way more disciplined uh, in late game moments, you know, certain times he's reaching for the ball or trying to fight through a screen and, and extending his arms. Uh, certain times he's trying to box out like he did with PJ Tucker, I believe, in Game Four, in which he kind of like shoved him a little extra hard underneath the rim when the ball when the ball was already in the air. Um, just just stupid stupid little things like that, little knickknack knack things. Uh, but I would definitely give him the kudos that three point shot last night and I, that I believe tied the game or cut the lead to three in the fourth quarter was very Kobe-esque because he caught it and shot it with no regard for any human life and that was as Kobe-esque as you can possibly get and there are a lot of moments in this playoff series alone or should I say within this playoffs as a whole you see a lot of Kobe moments with the 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 spin fades the the mid-range pull-ups the attacking the basket as physically as possible um taking shots when it looks like they're impossible to make and him knocking them down. Uh, I'm not saying he's just like Kobe, but you know, with him living by that, that quote that Kobe told him to do, which was to be legendary, I think he's doing a, a fitting job right about now because obviously we're talking about back-to-back 40s performances in the finals, let alone in a game in general, is very difficult. And Devin has shown that he has the ability to carry a team offensively and will them to a championship or at least to will them to a finals appearance. And for the people that are saying that Devin is alone and has no help, I really don't think you guys know any basketball because the fact that you have one of the greatest point guards of all time on your team scoring 21 points, you have an up and coming center in this league scoring 20 and 10. Um, and you have a, a litany of role players that are playing good minutes and are doing everything that they can do to help the team. I just, there's no way you have been watching this finals like we have because Devin is farthest from alone. And somebody said today um, Devin is uh, like LeBron in 2007. He had like he has like no supporting cast. That person needs to be immediately removed from social media because that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. LeBron James literally was playing with scrubs, like third string practice squad level scrubs. I mean, yes, Drunas Ogaskis was an all-star in one of those years, and Mo Williams was on that team after that run with San Antonio or that that run against San Antonio in Cleveland. But you cannot compare the abysmal roster that was the Cleveland Cavaliers in 2007 to the 2021 Phoenix Suns. This roster blows that roster out of the water, obviously outside of LeBron James being like 22 years old at the time. But, yes, Devin Booker's performance in this postseason, in this finals, spectacular, and he's got a few things to work on that can take him even a step higher in the NBA. And that's what I'd like to see from him going forward.
1: I'll say this. Had Phoenix won last night. And they would be up 3-2 in the series. Instead of being down t- uh, 2-3 currently. Dev would be the front runner. For finals MVP. After those two 40 point bombs. That he's dropped in game 4. And in game 5. And I think the way that I see it. With Devin Booker is. Dev is by far. The best player for Phoenix. But he is proving that in pretty much every game outside of game three where Phoenix essentially got run off the court by Milwaukee. I mean, the guy is shooting very efficiently from the field. I mean, he shot over 50% last night alone on 33 shot attempts, and he is the go-to guy. And despite the fact that I thought Milwaukee is giving him some very difficult defensive matchups, Dev is... Executing at an extremely high level, despite the fact that he's got Drew Holiday locked up on him. Sometimes he may have Chris, he may have PJ Tucker. He's exploiting all of these matchups and scoring at will. You know, even though that Milwaukee won Game Five over this weekend, it wasn't because uh, it wasn't because of uh, Devin Booker not scoring. Devin Booker was essentially the Biggest piece to why the Suns almost came back in Game 5. It's just... It's unfortunate to see that one possession at the most critical juncture of the game. He just drives into the lane. He ends up grabbing the ball, carrying it... Excuse me. Picking up his dribble. And he's looking to, to pass it out to somebody. And he just can't find anybody. And then it ends up in a turnover because Drew Holiday rips out the ball. I mean... To have a 40-point performance like that end on a possession like that, it's just absolutely gut-wrenching. And if if I look at it this way, I hope that Dev can forget about that moment in Game 5 at the end of the game. Because they are going to need him in a big way in Game 6 to force a Game 7 if Phoenix goes out and wins game six. So, I mean, the question, there's actually another question I want to ask you about Dev real quick. Even though that Phoenix is down 3-2 currently going into game six in Milwaukee, do you think that Devin Booker is that guy for Phoenix to lead them to possibly getting getting the series to a game seven?
0: 100%. There's no doubt in my mind. Like, 0% of me doubts that Devin can't do this. What... Is going to be the stick in the ass is going to be his ability to defend on the opposite side of the court. Everybody on Milwaukee hooped from Drew Holiday all the way down to Brooke Lopez even getting a couple points. Like, what did he have? Like, 10? 10 points? 9 points. But the point of the matter is, his defensive assignment is usually either Drew or Chris. And both of them absolutely annihilated everybody in their path. Obviously, Chris Middleton killed everybody the night before that or the game before that with like 39 points or 42 points. which I can't remember whatever that is. It's the fact that he can't do it on both ends. He's not known for the defensive prow- prowess. So Devin can go give you 40, but he's going to give up 25 to 30 on the other end as well. So that, like I said earlier, ties in. Devin offensively can give you the, the the looks that you need, get you the shots and the buckets that you need, but he's got to be able to do it on the other side. Because if he doesn't, he's going to quickly become one of those superstars that is a liability, like a James Harden, like a Carmelo Anthony. And he might start slacking off because of his inability to stop other people. So to answer your question, I 100% think that he can do it, but I don't know if it's going to be enough because Phoenix's defense has just been unable to stop Milwaukee for the last three games.
1: I think he has to limit those really bad fouls. Especially when that series went back to Milwaukee for games three and four. There were plenty of times where I thought Devin made some unnecessary fouls. I mean, the one game in particular, what was, um, I think it was, what, game four? He almost fouled out. Yeah, five. Yeah, and he should have fouled out because he freaking mugged Drew Holiday as he was going up for the layup, and they didn't call it. So, And the fact of the matter is, is that Phoenix was still competing up until that point, and Dev got lucky that he didn't get tossed out of the game off of his sixth foul. So I think offensively, don't change a thing. He's a nightmare to defend in the mid-range game because his mid-range game is on another level right now. His three-point shooting has been phenomenal throughout this series, and I expect that to be the case in Game 6. It's just... It's like you mentioned, step up the defensive pressure a little bit and then just kind of limit the amount of stupid fouls that he has a tendency of doing in some of these games. But all in all, I have full confidence that Devin's going to be the guy to possibly get this series back to Phoenix for a game seven. If Phoenix wins game six, I have no doubt in my mind about that.
0: So then I'm going to propose a question to you then. Uh, Guys, we're not going to go over every single player. We're going to go over key impactful players that are going to make a a difference in the rest of this series if it does in fact go to seven. Obviously, Devin is the most important person for Phoenix. I'm actually going to go to a different spectrum, and I'm not going to pick Giannis or Chris Middleton. I'm going to ask you, can Drew Holiday continue this incredible performance from Game 5? Because Milwaukee's energy was on another level with the fact that their $40 million-a-year man was able to finally get it going in Game 5.
1: I'll say this. I expect Drew to play fine defensively. He's proven that throughout the entirety of the series. It's whether or not that he could score. And in game five, he was phenomenal. 12 of 20 from the field. He was 50% behind the three-point line. He knocked down three out of his six threes and scored 27 points and had the game-winning turnover that essentially iced it for Milwaukee. But that was the first game throughout the entire series where he finally showed up offensively. In Game 4, he was 4 of 20. And he was abysmal on the offensive side of the ball for Milwaukee. So when I look throughout the entirety of the series so far, I can't rely on Drew Holiday to give me the 27 points that he dropped in Game 5. I can maybe expect maybe 10 to 15 points, maybe 20 at the most on a consistent basis. But 27, it might be an anomaly from him. But if he continues the success that he had in game five, going into game six, could he drop 25 maybe? Yeah. I'm not going to rule it out. It's just, I can't bank on it, but on the defensive side of the court, Oh, he's going to be fine. Whether he's guarding Devin Booker or Chris Paul or whatever matchup he he has, he's going to give that person everything that he's got or everything that they've got. So it's kind of weird. I'm, I'm, I'm making a distinction between the offensive part of Drew's game and the defensive part of Drew's game. I think defensively, he's going to be stout. Offensively, it's a question mark for me. So to answer your question, I can't rely on him to do what he did in Game 5 going into Game 6. That's just my personal take on it.
0: Well, then I'm just going to kind of take it maybe a different spin. It's like everybody says in the sport of basketball, you just got to see the ball go in, right? You have to see it. Go into the cylinder, and it's got to be able to. You know, you got to see it do. Uh, con- you have to see it through, as a consistent basis on a consistent basis. Whether that's free throws, whether that's layups, or wide open mid range jump shots. Drew got it going good enough in this game that I think, with the supporting home crowd, I think that he's going to be a big factor come game six, because we already know what we're going to get from him on the defensive end. Just like what we said with Devin, we know offensively he's going to get his numbers. We already know what Drew Holiday, the defender, brings to the Milwaukee Bucks. Drew Holiday as an offensive player has always been meh, average, you know what I'm saying? Maybe a little bit above average. There are flashes where he can score 20-plus and, you know, get you double-doubles. But in this instance, obviously being aggressive on both fronts of the basketball or both sides of the basketball, I think that this game is going to give him that confidence and that motivation to go out there And play a big game six, because we already know that Chris Middleton and Giannis are the two Batman and Robin, the two best players offensively on this team. We know that Chris Middleton can be very inconsistent at times as well. But in the last two to three games, Chris has actually gone out there and did what he was supposed to do. And they were kind of just waiting for that third person. They were kind of just like, all right, like, is Drew going to step up? Like, can Drew help us right now? Like, Coddington's always been great, but he's always been a bench player and he plays his role very effectively. But we need Drew Holiday, the guy that we traded all these assets for, the guy that we just signed to a major deal to play up to par. And Drew Holiday did that last night. And I think that this going forward, if he can mimic some form of this success, maybe not 27 and 13, but if you can give me 20 and 10, 20 and 8 with those three steals and bring that same intensity on the offensive end because you saw after he hit a three and I think Phoenix called timeout, I forget what quarter it was, he was going nuts. He was hyped up, and you can tell he was a totally different player when he was checked into this game at the level that he was. So the reason I only brought up Drew Holiday was because I think that if he plays good, I think this game isn't even close. Giannis is going to get his buckets. Middleton is going to get his looks. It's a matter if he's going to hit them or not. But if all three of these players play at the pace that they did this last game, Devin could go for 50. It ain't going to make a difference, especially because of how limited Phoenix is at the five position, and I was going to bring that up next uh, to segue into our next topic, or no, not topic, but segue into our next subject. Um, this isn't an individual player; this is a position. Mm-hmm. We've talked about it multiple times. Both teams are running a very tight ship with running an eight-man rotation on both sides of the on both sides of the court. Mm-hmm. But the fact that Phoenix refuses to play Frank Kaminsky at the four or the five, should I say, or any of their bigs other than DeAndre Ayton, I think puts Phoenix at a very, very, very big disadvantage. Because when Ayton comes out, they have to play small. And Milwaukee is huge, even with Brook Lopez off the court. So, Kyle, do you think that Frank Kaminsky touches the floor this game? And if not, can Phoenix even think about playing an effective game six?
1: I think he's going to have a minimal impact. I think he might get a couple minutes. But... I doubt it just because from what I saw in game five, they were primarily running Deandre Ayton at the five Phoenix played very small and
0: Deandre played 45 minutes. He had three minutes of rest.
1: Yeah. So that really kind of goes to show what Monty Williams thought of Frank Kaminsky. It's basically the, De- the Deandre Ayton show at the five spot. So I mean, could he make a difference if Kaminsky gets some playing time in game six? I mean, I'm not going to say no. It's just that it's highly unlikely. I just don't see that being the case. And I will say this. The disadvantage that Phoenix has is, like you mentioned, it's just after Aiden, they don't have anybody. You know, Dario Sarge w- went out with the torn ACL in game one. And that left them very thin at the five spot. Because basically DeAndre Aiton and Kaminsky. And with the way that Kaminsky's been playing throughout this series, he hasn't shown me anything to... Say that he deserves more minutes to be on the court. And with that said, it's giving Milwaukee a huge advantage because, I mean, the DeAndre Ayton Giannis or DeAndre Ayton uh, Brooke Lopez matchup, that's essentially a wash. But if Giannis and Brooke Lopez are on the court at the same time, at the same time, excuse me, that's going to leave a huge disadvantage for Phoenix because they're not going to be able to rebound. And we've seen that throughout the series so far. Phoenix has been getting out-rebounded, especially on the offensive side of the court. Where, I remember in game four in particular, Milwaukee had 17 offensive rebounds compared to, compared to Phoenix's five. I mean, by and large, the rebounds were only off by maybe like seven or eight rebounds as the entire teams go. It's just that Phoenix is getting so out-rebounded on the defensive side of the court Meaning that Milwaukee's getting way too many second chance opportunities based off of the offensive rebounds that they're getting. It's putting Phoenix's defense in a bind here and it's giving Milwaukee second chance points. And until Phoenix can correct that, which up to this point they haven't because they've lost three straight games, I think it's going to be more of the same. It's just that at this point, DeAndre Aiden's going to have to be the guy to kind of carry that five spot for Phoenix. And he hasn't really shown anything to me that he's capable of carrying that much pressure on his back because Giannis is averaging 32 points a game and Brook Lopez is being effective in the minutes that he's playing. Granted, he's not dropping 20, 25 points a game, but he's dropping 10 to 15 points consistently for Milwaukee. So Phoenix is in a real tough situation here and I don't see it improving anytime soon. So do you throw Kaminsky in just for the hell of it? I mean, at this point, you got to put a body up against somebody, whether it's Giannis or Brooke Lopez, and could it work? I guess we'll find out in Game Six. Monty's gonna have to make some sort of adjustment because I don't think they're gonna get better production with just eight and playing forty-five minutes and trying to carry the load that way.
0: Yeah, no. I mean, obviously that this brings us to our final topic. I mean, Kyle, I gotta ask you straight up, man. I know what I'm thinking. What do you got, or should I say, who do you got? for game six and
1: why? Here's the thing. I said that the Suns were going to win in six. That was my original prediction going into this series. And I could be a prisoner of the moment and go with the momentum that Milwaukee has after winning three straight games and they're one game away from winning the NBA Finals. But I guess it's just the pride of me. I got to pick Phoenix simply because I made that prediction about a week ago If I'm going to die on this hill, so be it. But I'm going with Phoenix just because I'm just hoping that Devin Booker can go out and replicate the last two games that he's been able to produce, dropping 40 points in game four and in game five. I'm just hoping he could do the same in game six. Chris Paul had a solid game five, had 21 points on nine and 15 shooting. I hope that he can continue that success going into game six, but By and large, they need to step up the defensive pressure. They have to limit Giannis under 30 points to have any shot of winning this game. If Giannis goes out there and drops 30, 35, potentially 40 points, which he's more than capable of doing, it's going to put Phoenix in a real tough situation. But I think Phoenix is going to be able to rise to the occasion here. Their backs up are against the wall. And I think the way that this roster is constructed, I think that they can do it. They have to be essentially perfect to get this win in Milwaukee. Because I'm going to tell you this right now. Milwaukee, as far as their fans go, they're going to be bouncing in that arena when that when that game starts. So Phoenix is going to have to weather the storm. But I think the way that Monty has this team, I think that he's going to put them in the right mindset. They're going to be able to weather the storm. I think they're going to be able to come out of this in a very close win. I'm thinking that Phoenix wins this game by like five points. And I think they're going to be able to force a game seven and get this series back to Phoenix. That's my personal opinion on this one.
0: I'm going bold prediction, man. I got Milwaukee by
1: 10. I think, I
0: I, I truthfully and honestly think Giannis smells blood in the water. Point blank period. The man has never looked more determined in any game I've ever seen him play more than last night. Obviously, Chris Middleton's been playing at at an incredible clip. Drew Holiday finally had a great game, and I think that's going to be pivotal to him being confident going into game six. Defensively, Milwaukee's been able to get stops where needed, and obviously the acquisition of Drew Holiday looks to be a a brilliant decision by the front office. Um, Giannis and those boys are just hungry. And I think that Phoenix has dug themselves into a hole it's a little too late to dig out of. The momentum of being at home, of winning three in a row, bringing a championship to Milwaukee for the first time um, in terms of basketball since 1971 with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Oscar Robinson. So I am just going to be completely difficult, or should I say different, and say that Milwaukee wins this game by 10-plus because I think that Milwaukee's going to get off to a good start. I think it's going to be close throughout the, the, probably the first and second quarter but I think that Milwaukee explodes and has an incredible second half that Phoenix is just going to be incapable of stopping. Like Kyle said, uh, the inability for Phoenix to go big or the lack of effort, should I say, to go big is going to dramatically affect them on the boards. I think that Giannis goes for maybe 35 and 15, 40 and 12, something of that magnitude. I think he's just going to want to attack the basket every single time, and I think he's going to try to get in into foul trouble. And I really, really think that Drew Holiday is going to have – a solid, solid game with, like I said earlier, 20-8, and 20-10. Who knows? Maybe Chris Middleton goes for another 30. Uh, but the point of the matter is, I truthfully and honestly, Devin could go for 40-45, maybe even 50. But if they can't stop Milwaukee on uh, on the other end, it makes no difference. Um, it was not a finals I would have expected to go the way that it's gone. Obviously, Kyle and I both expected Phoenix to kind of walk away with this after a certain point in time. I expected it to be sooner than later rather than, you know, Kyle's uh, six-game prediction, but Milwaukee has proven me wrong, and they continue to prove me wrong, because every time I sure as shit pick Phoenix, (laughs) Milwaukee finds ways to win. So um, not that I'm picking Milwaukee because I want Phoenix to win, because I would love for them to win an NBA championship for Chris Paul, for Devin Booker, and for my boy Cam Johnson, but I truthfully believe that Giannis Antetokounmpo is not going to let this championship walk away from him especially not when he's in front of his home crowd and he signed that contract that extension to prove a point to stay with this team. And if he can bring them a championship, I think that that decision is all worth the while
1: right there. It's just the way that I see this game playing out is I think that Phoenix's role players are going to step up. I'm expecting Jay Crowder to have a solid game. He played phenomenal in Milwaukee in games three and four. So, if he can light it up behind the three point line, maybe get fifteen points, I think that definitely is gonna help out Phoenix tremendously. I need somebody like Mikael Bridges or Cameron Johnson to really knock down their three point shots. So both of those guys are more than capable of getting hot behind the three point line. And I think the way that I see it is I think Mikhail Bridges is gonna have a he's gonna have a similar game to what he had in game five. I think he's gonna drop somewhere around 15 points. And I think Cameron Johnson, I think is going to be in a similar boat as him. I think Cameron Johnson is going to drop maybe 10 to 15. And it's like I said, Phoenix is going to barely win this one. So I expect Giannis to have a huge game for Milwaukee. They need to limit uh, Chris Middleton as far as Phoenix goes, because Chris Middleton has been really hot these last two games. He's averaging like 34 and a half points in these last two games. And they got to slow down Drew Holiday. It's a tough matchup for Phoenix. But I think Phoenix, it's like I said, they're going to weather that storm early. And I think they're going to come out at the other side winning this game by like five points. If I had to put a score on it, it's going to be like 115 to 110. I think both teams are going to score though. Because the one thing that we've seen in this finals matchup is that offense is not an issue here. Both teams have been able to score. The shooting performances from both teams in game five. Was absolutely stellar. And I think that does continue going into game six. But I give a slight edge to Phoenix in this one simply because I said Phoenix in six. I got to roll with it.
0: Hey, no, trust me. I, I picked Phoenix to win too. I, I just, I personally cannot see Phoenix overcoming the deficit that they've created for themselves. And if this game is, a sh- in fact, a shootout, it's going to be a matter of who misses first and. Obviously, we know that Milwaukee is probably unguardable from what it seems like in the last couple of games, uh, and Phoenix has been inconsistent in late game, so to speak, for the last couple of games. Mm -hmm. So I'm sticking with my prediction now of saying Milwaukee closes this out, Giannis gets his first ring, and uh, the offseason sweepstakes for all of these available free agents and pending uh, roster moves begins because we all know once this finals ends, no matter who wins, the NBA is going to spin into a tizzy with the ongoing rumors of all the things that are happening with projected rumors of trades <laughs> or people wanting to be released, head coaching changes. Kyle and I aren't getting into that because Lord knows that's going to be in another episode in itself. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, we again appreciate you guys for coming here. We appreciate you guys for following, subscribing, commenting, liking anything you guys can provide is good for the channel. So we really do appreciate it. Um, if you like basketball, you like sports content, man, this is the place to be. Obviously Kyle and I are are just starting out in terms of, you know, getting comfortable, getting in a routine and a rhythm. But for those of you that have been here from the beginning, you've seen improvements, whether on the technology side, whether on the the delivery side, I stutter. I seem uneducated a lot of times. Kyle saves me, uh, instances like that. It's all good, but we're here and we're not going anywhere. And uh like I said, man, I'm, I'm super excited to see where this channel is going, and, and and the sky's the limit.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's not much more that I could add to that. It's just, um you know, small steps, Kev. Small steps. Big time. You know, we're not we're not taking huge leaps yet. You know, you just take small steps at a time. You know, whether it's our delivery in our analysis or just the technological side of things. Sometimes, like I may hit like the wrong button, so like my camera pops up instead of Kev's, or Know, vice versa, like little things like that, but just, you know, we'll work out those those small little mistakes here and there. But no, by and large, this is fun, my guy. Like, there's not much more I could say about this. Like talking about sports, like we used to back in the day, just doing it on it in a different format. It's awesome. And the, the mistakes couldn't have predicted it going the way that it has. And, and with all the little mistakes that we do, so be it. I could care less about that. We're human, bro. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But it's like Kevin said, you know, just appreciate the support that we get for the channel, that we get for the podcast. You know, whether you were listening to it on the major streaming platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, I think you guys know, you know, the gamut of podcast options to choose from, or whether you were watching this on YouTube. You know, we definitely appreciate the support. You know, if you guys are watching this on YouTube, you know, give us a like, you know, give us a subscribe. You know, we definitely appreciate the support wherever we can get it. Kev, I imagine we'll probably do another episode later this week. Could be talking about the end of the NBA Finals, whether Milwaukee's going to be crowned NBA Finals champions or Phoenix. So I guess we'll kind of find out in the next couple days or so. So hopefully you guys stick around and stay tuned for that. And that's all I got from here, Kev. You got anything else before we wrap it up?
0: No, sir. Tomorrow is Monday. Everybody have a good week. Summer is getting to that point where it's looking like it's sun is setting. We're getting ready for fall. I don't know why I think like this every time after my birthday, but I feel like, you know, it just goes downhill for me. After my birthday, everything kind of ends. But uh, I hope everybody has, like I said, a, a really good week, and uh, let's enjoy the NBA Finals for a little bit more than we have them because after this series, we get no basketball until October. That's that's a long time.
1: But we got the Olympics and the NFL coming up real soon, so definitely stay tuned okay, out for that. Okay. Guys. But, you know, thank you guys for tuning in to watch the episode or listen to it however you were able to access it. We appreciate the support, and we'll see you guys later this week. Are you passionate about saving the planet for future generations? Do you want to learn how to do it? If yes, then you need to tune in to the nature Back podcast. It's a talk show covering the changing world around us, from renewable energy, sustainable agriculture, circular economy, to ESG and social innovation. Don't miss this opportunity to discover how you can join the movement and make a difference. Subscribe to the Nature Pack Podcast today on your favorite platform and get ready to be amazed. Hey
0: guys, it's Miriam Love here,
1: and I want to share something very special with you. Check out my new release, All In the Spanish Remixes, out now on Electric Hass Records. And always remember you love,
0: share love, all love.
1: Available now wherever you listen to music.